0: Welcome to the NBA Deep Dives podcast. I'm your host, Nick Agar Johnson. We are nearing the 2021 NBA draft. As ridiculous as that sounds, we are just two weeks away from March. It won't be exactly as mad as it usually is in March, but there will certainly be some prospects at play over the next few weeks. So I'm here to talk with hashtag basketball's resident draft expert, Tyler Metcalf. Tyler, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Nick. Happy to be back on with you. Uh, feels like yesterday I just got done with the 2020 draft and here we are already. So uh, it, it it's a fun draft though. So excited to talk about these guys.
0: And let's start right at the top. So we are going to run through Tyler's current top 45 and he will publish his big board on the hashtag basketball website with that top 45 sometime soon. So be on the lookout for that. But At the top of the list, as he has been at the top of the list for this prospect class for four years now, it feels like. Yeah, pretty much. Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State point guard. He's 6'7", 215, basically a point guard kind of skill set in a wing kind of body. And really with Cade, I just don't see any way where he's not a high-level NBA starter. Like, I think that's his floor, which is... A weird thing to talk about when you're talking about the number one prospect, usually you're just talking about absolute highest possible upside, but I just don't see any way that Cade Cunningham is less than a very successful NBA player, even if nothing works out for him other than the most basic part of his skill set.
1: Yeah. And, and that's kind of the... And he's... At the same time, he's the safest prospect in this draft and also the most exciting with the highest upside. Um I like you said, there's just, I I would be stunned if he just doesn't pan out to anything in the NBA because his feel for the game is just so far more advanced than anybody in this draft. Um, And it, it, it seems boring to have him at number one, because like you said, he's been number one since people knew of him. And he's just lived up to the hype every step of the way. And it's not this super flashy playmaking or elite scoring it's elite feel for the game really intelligent passing incredible leader um just everything he does contributes to winning basketball at the highest level
0: really the only question with him coming into this college season was would he be able to shoot three-pointers and so far so good on that front his jumper looks really solid so far and that was really the only concern with his offensive game but now that he's put that to rest a little bit I mean it seems pretty clear that he's gonna stay at the top of the prospect list but there are some other guys coming up behind him who might make a charge
1: yeah I mean his he's shooting just under 43 percent from three on four and a half attempts a game this year and that's with a team who has essentially no spacing no one else on the floor who can shoot um and this oklahoma state team is not good um then they have some talented players in a vacuum but as a constructed team this is this is probably one of the worst case scenarios for him if he was in you know the same situation as like say Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga, I I think his numbers would be so overwhelming that people wouldn't even second guess having Cade at number one. Um, so while while I I'm sure some of these guys will you know sneak into that number one spot on some people's boards, um, especially some of these G League guys who keep playing at a really high level. I I I think any team that passes on Cade at number one on draft night is is really just gonna end up overthinking it
0: and to be entirely clear i would not even consider anyone else with the number one overall pick in this draft but hey you know get some drama in here while we're (laughs) at it so the other thing with Cade cunningham is and you brought this up with his let's just say questionable teammates his scoring at the rim is not at the same place that it was at the prep level. But I think the entirety of the reason for that is just because he's got four defenders loaded up on him pretty much any time the ball's in his hands beyond like the half court line.
1: Yeah. So I'm like the, the two weaknesses that I have listed for him that yeah, only two uh, for on the draft guide will is just consistent shooting, which I, I think in the long run won't really be an issue and his explosiveness. So when you when you watch him you can tell that he's not the best athlete on the floor. He's an expert at using his size to create space and change of pace dribbling and step backs. He's a great ball handler. So that's where he creates his space. His lack of explosiveness is most evident at the rim. So I agree that I think his at rim finishing numbers are a little misrepresented because there's just no spacing so whenever he drives Opponents can just collapse like crazy on him. But there is an aspect where he's not gonna be this six seven point guard who's dunking on everyone. You know, he he can in the open floor, but in the ha- in the half court offense, he's not gonna be that guy that's skying above the rim. Um, but in a better spaced out NBA offense, those lanes should be more open. So I I don't think he's gonna be this elite interior finisher, but by no means is he going to be, is it going to be like a major weakness of his?
0: At number two, a very, very, very different kind of prospect in Evan Mobley out of USC. He's a seven footer and he would have one of the best handles at seven foot in the NBA right now. He's incredibly fluid, really on both ends, and he's got incredible defensive upside and has made some ridiculous highlight blocks. But the thing that I'm most concerned about with Mobley is that he has been really passive on the offensive end at times. And in their game against Utah, Mobley put up exactly zero shots from the floor. (laughs) And that's, I think, concerning when you're talking about picking a big man at number two overall. But the fluidity and the shot blocking prowess is certainly there.
1: Yeah, and he looks like a gazelle out there on the floor. Just his footwork is smooth. Um, just the way he he runs the floor, it's you know elegant. You'd think was a wing. Um, he's super comfortable with the ball in his hands. Um, I I I think the shot will eventually translate, and he's one of the best overall defenders in this class. Um, touching on the passivity part, I feel like he just looks uncomfortable playing with in that two big man system because he's essentially playing power forward alongside his brother. I don't love that for him. I don't think he's not going to do that in the NBA. It kind of reminds me of DeAndre Ayton's situation at Arizona, where he also played alongside another center. Same with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. at Michigan State, where these guys were clearly centers, and they clearly should not have been playing alongside another center like that. But it was an upperclassman who the coaches felt deserved that spot. So I I think par- part of it is situational. But yeah, there's definitely an aspect to his game where he doesn't necessarily have that killer mentality every night.
0: Up next, the first of the G League Ignite players on the big board, we have Jonathan Kaminga at third overall, 6'8", power forward, really sort of prototypical wing size and incredible athleticism. Really, the biggest question that I have with him is just, will his shot be consistent? And his shot has looked better than it did at the prep level in the incredibly tiny sample size of G League Ignite games that we have so far. But even if he hasn't been knocking them down at a prolific rate, the shot does at least look better. And that was certainly one of the big concerns for him heading into this draft year.
1: Yeah, he's definitely worked on it a ton. Um, Just the way it comes out of his hand, Uh, everything looks smoother. He looks more comfortable and he looks way more confident in it than he did in high school and AAU. So just, just his confidence level alone you know, suggest to me that he's going to get there. You know, he he probably won't ever be a 40% or consistent 40% shooter from outside. But if he's in that mid 30 to, you know, 38%, that's going to be huge for his game. And the way he's pulling up in these G League Ignite games is kind of represents or shows me that the coaching staff believes in him. His teammates believe in that shot and he believes in that shot. So based on the volume, the way it's coming out of his hand, just the fluidity of his form. I think he'll eventually get there. Um, I, I I do think he'll be there. Will be struggles. There will be one of eight nights. You know, oh of six early on in his career. Um, but I I think in the long run, it'll end up being not necessarily an asset, but it. I, I don't think it will be a long term weakness.
0: I mean, sort of going back to that point of whether or not it's an asset. I think really as long as he shoots somewhere in the. 33 to 37% range from three, you know, hopefully on the higher end of that. Right. But if he's hitting 33% from three and taking three or four of them a game, I think that's totally fine. If he's like below 30%, then maybe that's a bit more of a problem because it'll allow defenses to load up on him a lot more easily. But that's never going to be his primary skill. It's really just a question of can it be good enough where defenses respect him out there to allow him to open up the rest of his game? Yeah.
1: And, I, I may may maybe calling it an asset was underselling what I what I meant to say but it just has to be respectable enough and I absolutely think he'll get there because the second that defender second guesses or close out he's going to blow right past them or through them um and get to the rim or create off the dribble for a teammate so as long as he's not you know Josh Kobe or Ben Simmons bad from outside Um, I, I don't think it'll be something fans will really have to worry about.
0: Up next at number four, we have Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. And the funny thing about Jalen Suggs is that this team would probably be the best team in college basketball if he wasn't playing but now he is playing and he's a pretty clear top five pick in this draft he's an incredibly athletic point guard a lot more of a sort of traditional point guard archetype I think than Cade Cunningham just because he's you know a 6'4 guard rather than a 6'7 forward but incredible athleticism really great passing vision I think the clip that most people will remember of Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga is his full court baseball pass earlier this year but with him, really, it's just going to be whether or not he can shoot consistently from the outside and not cough up the ball on every other play.
1: Yeah, his playmaking is so much fun, and I, I absolutely love that he's surrounded by good shooters and just that really incredible Gonzaga team. Um, and 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 they they probably would be, you know, still undefeated or one or two in the country without him, but his insertion into that roster gives them a sense of creativity and energy and athleticism that they wouldn't have. Um, his, he's a freak athlete, really smart defender, really creative passer. I, I worry about his ability to kind of stay in control. He, he gets a little wild. He gets a little careless with the ball at times. Um, so if he can tighten that up, that would take his game to a whole nother level. And kind of like Kaminga, I I think that his outside shot isn't going to be an issue in the long run, or probably more similar to to Cades, where it'll be it'll be better than Kaminga's. But I I think it will be good enough where it creates those lanes for him to create off the dribble, um, and sucks in the defense enough and makes him at least stay honest. So I I don't have too many concerns with his outside shooting. I I think just his overall offensive package is incredibly impressive.
0: It's really funny to think about Jalen Suggs. The one thing I always think about in comparison is sort of how Kentucky has had all these ridiculous you know, lottery pick guys try to play together on the same team when they have very similar skill sets and sort of push each other out of shots that they'd like to take. Whereas Suggs is almost the exact opposite of that in that he's just benefiting so much from getting to play in that Gonzaga system. And there, it's not like there are, you know, 74 guys who are taking opportunities from him. I mean, obviously he would be shooting a lot more if he were say in Kate's place at Oklahoma state, but it feels like his teammates are really additive. Whereas sort of the reverse example that I always think of is that Devin Booker would not have been drafted 13th overall. If he'd gotten to play his full game while he was at Kentucky.
1: Yeah, and I I think it does an awesome job, you know, in Suggs' case, to kind of teach him how to, you know, not necessarily be the man all the time, where, you know, a a lot of guys struggle to adapt to that new role once they get into the NBA, because their entire life, they've been the the lead dog, the main guy, Um, and now Suggs is you know he's the the highlight name on this Gonzaga team but he's one of many names he's you know part of a team um so and you know he he has that similar aspect that Cade has where he's just a winner he's out there to win everything he's going to do is going to contribute to winning basketball and he he's not going to lose you a game outright
0: before we get to number five i just wanted to ask you because i've been curious i think there is a very large drop off between number five and number six and i was wondering if you sort of saw it the same way before we get into that number five player
1: yeah yeah i, w- I would say these top five i mean i i would put Cade and a tier of his own and then These, you know, then two through five are kind of, I I think you can put them almost in any order, kind of based on your own personal preference. Um, And then after that, I I think it's like a next group of, you know, maybe 10 guys who are almost interchangeable.
0: Well, let's get to that fifth guy then, Jalen Green, also for the G League Ignite, and I think he was a bit of a bigger name, sort of heading into this whole process. It sort of seemed like he was the clear cut, this guy is going to be top five. And then Kuminga was like, we think he's going to be a lottery talent. And Daisha Nix and Isaiah Todd, uh, we'll get to them. Well, we'll get to one of them, spoiler alert. But Jalen Green, absolutely absurd athleticism. He's 6'5, 6'6, wing type of player. And really, the issue with him. First of all, is will he play any defense at all? But that's not exactly a rookie issue. Mm -hmm. You know, what I'm sort of more worried about for the early portion of his career is I don't think he's a lead ball handler at all. And if he's drafted by a team that thinks he can be a point guard, I think it's going to be seven long years in the desert, kind of like it was with Zach Levine, but who knows? Maybe he will show more of that in the rest of the G League Ignite season. But I think he's pretty clearly a wing, not a point guard. And if a team tries to play a point guard, it's going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. Oh
1: yeah, I, I would not put him as my lead guard at all. Um, I the, this kid might be that the best athlete in this class. Um, I would a hundred percent have him at at the two guard and have him cutting and running off screens um when when he gets a lane to the rim he is nearly unstoppable he's a lot of fun to watch i i still think he's really raw um and you know you kind of touched on that with it regarding his defense but You know, he has all the physical tools to be a good defender. I know we say that about a dozen guys every year, and it never pans out that way.
0: Marvin Backley has all the tools to be a really good defensive player. (laughs) Zach
1: Levine has all the tools. Andrew Wiggins, you know, Anthony Edwards, all these guys do. You know, so it's a lot easier said than done. But everything I've read and heard and seen of Green suggests that he's really coachable and, you know, wants to be good on that end. So that gives me some hope. Um, I just think he's a lot more raw than the guys that the four other guys I have ahead of him. But I think at the very worst, he's going to be a freak athlete who's a really good scorer at the next level.
0: All right, let's move on to the rest of the lottery, starting with Zaire Williams from Stanford at six overall. He's a 6'8 forward who can shoot and can create a little bit, but he weighs like four pounds. And I think that's going to be a problem his first few years in the NBA. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He definitely needs to to bulk up, but I, I, I feel like we've, this has been almost the worst case scenario for Zaire this year. Um, you know, he started the year wearing that bulky knee brace because of some fluke bike accident where he, he hit a, pothole and sprained his knee Um, then he finally started getting things going and then missed about a month because of a death in the family and just got back to playing with Stanford this last week or so Um, and they're not even playing in their home gym I I think they have to drive out of the county to find a gym to play in so I, I this season for Zaire I think has gone about as poorly as possible Yet the talent of that versatile you know score first wing is still there um i, I think he's an uber talented kid i, I think his he's a, a tough shot maker uh really smart rebounder despite his size generally makes the right decision um the the biggest thing is can he add add on that muscle where he can you know handle n b a level physicality because if you can't then he's going to be you know, almost useless on defense, and f- his interior finishing is really going to struggle.
0: Up next at number seven, James Bonite from Connecticut, and he has really exploded as a scorer this season. He was showing some flashes of that sort of down the stretch run of last college season, but has really broken out in a big way this season. I think the question for him is just going to be, athleticism stuff but i mean he can create his own shot even though he's not the same kind of nuclear athlete as say a jalen green
1: yeah I, I i get a lot of richard hamilton vibes um from from book night uh i i just i love how he runs off screens how he relocates on the perimeter just a really well-rounded scorer um and i i, I like his overall team defense too i I think he's a really smart off-ball defender who reads passing lanes well and and really identifies what rotations he needs to make. That lateral athleticism is really going to hurt him though because he he struggles to stay with guys on the perimeter. Um, you know, it he, it's a lot more difficult to make a guy more athletic. But it, it, if he can improve his footwork out there and work on really sliding them and keeping that solid defensive base, I I, I think that would take his you know, defensive potential to to a, a new level.
0: Well, one guy who certainly does not have to worry about athleticism, Kai Jones from Texas.
1: Oh, he's so good.
0: Just under seven feet tall, shot up the draft boards this year. Crazy athlete, surprisingly versatile scorer. And really the defensive presence is what's going to get him drafted in this part of the lottery. But he's had a really impressive season so far at Texas. And he wasn't even supposed to be the star coming into this year. And he still
1: can't get any gosh darn playing time um he's still coming off the bench for texas which i just don't understand but i i love i love this kid he's a freak athlete um you know i i don't think he's necessarily as good of a shooter from outside as his percentage suggests since i think he made like his first 15 in a row on the year but i still think that he's a capable shooter from out there and he's athletic enough where he can take you know, one or two dribbles from the perimeter to attack a closeout and dunk on whoever, whatever poor soul rotates over on him. Um, and then he can guard any position on the floor. Um, he Just incredible length, great footwork, great athleticism. I, I'm a huge fan of this kid. I think he's going to be really, really good, and I'm going to be super bummed if he just doesn't pan out into anything and he wasn't starting these games for a reason.
0: I have sort of had a thing where I just believe way too much in University of Texas centers after Miles Turner and Jared Allen. Yeah, And that really hurt me with Jackson Hayes. But I think Kai Jones is going to turn that around. (laughs) Mo Bamba. Yeah, well, the Bamba situation is kind of just his team isn't playing him, which makes no sense. Whereas Jackson Hayes just kind of looks lost. But let's talk about this draft rather than texas centers of yore
1: yeah well so 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 what differentiates kai from those guys is that he can actually step out behind the arc and knock down a three-pointer you know we we've we saw that from bamba in cell phone tapes of him in an empty gym you know we're seeing it from kai jones in live games where he's hitting a step back so i i have way more faith in him than than the
0: these guys coming out recently i mean to be fair miles turner can hit three-pointers but not Jared Allen at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I meant more Jared Allen, Jackson
1: Hayes, Mo Bamba. And I don't want to get this twisted. I absolutely love Jared Allen. There will be
0: no slander here on his name. Good. Just making sure of it. All right. Moving on to number nine, Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. And he has one of the most obvious NBA fits of anyone in this lottery. Yep. He's basically just going to be somewhere between joe harris and duncan robinson and that's just what it is
1: and he's going to be better than both of them
0: wow okay
1: <laughs> that's a strong take joe harris saw cory kispert play and modeled his game after cory kispert <laughs> um <laughs> he he's he's the best shooter in this draft he moves off the ball he doesn't make poor decisions he's incredibly intelligent he's an underrated athlete because he's a stocky white guy Um, you know, he, he's an accurate passer, not, not a, he's not going to be a playmaker or anything, but he's going to find the role man or cutters or, you know, he'll, he'll make that extra pass that, you know, once a game you're like, Oh wow, where'd that come from? Um, and you know, he's up there with Cade on that level of, I would be shocked if he doesn't have a good NBA career.
0: Up next, Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. And really the situation with Sharif is that he's a ridiculous playmaker. He's, I think, in I probably put him as the second best passer in this class something like that he's an incredible creator for others but he's also listed at 6-1 and even that feels generous and if he was actually 6-1 that would still be a defensive problem at the next level but if he's really more like five eleven, that could be more troubling he's tiny out there and I, I i think i might
1: put him in the as the most as the best passer in this class um just the 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 lobs he makes, the full court bounce passes, the the three sixty kickouts to corner shooters. Um, he he's an incredible passer. Now his decision making isn't always the best, and can result and he can get a little turnover happy. But his overall playmaking, I think, is probably the best in this class. Um, unfortunately, he's absolutely tiny and he he looks every bit of it out on the floor. Um he's going to be a major negative defensively. He's now he's going to struggle to finish inside and at Auburn he's doing an incredible job of drawing fouls inside. I'm not sure how well that'll translate to the NBA. Um but you know, it's it's a sign that he he's not afraid of contact and that he's really good at you know, manipulating his body and his dribble to bait defenders into fouling him. And then my my even bigger concern besides his size is his outside shooting. He's really struggled with his shot. He has these he kinda needs to overhaul his mechanics. He doesn't get any elevation on his shot. He falls back out of it, um, which is probably just a symptom of him being smaller than everyone he plays against and having to get it up over these guys. So he's going to need to work on his shot, but the, the size is, you know, you can't do anything about it. It's a concern, but if he can fix his shooting form and consistency from out there, I I, I think he has a legit chance of being a quality starter.
0: I think that's really the line where if he can't shoot, he will Probably play a few years off the end of the bench and then go over and be a star in Europe. But if he could really shoot, then I think that's sort of what solidifies his long-term NBA career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And his playmaking and kind of interior scoring gravity is good enough where I I think it's worth it's absolutely worth taking a risk on him in the lottery.
0: Up next, Trey Man out of Florida, who is now six five. Uh, certainly,
1: talk about a girl spurt
0: yeah seriously it was not exactly someone who was a big point guard before but is verging on being a big point guard now so that's certainly a big plus for him he's also a really solid on ball defender but off ball is a different story and I think part of that is just you know being skinny and also having just had a giant growth spurt but if that isn't something that changes in the first couple of years that could be more of a long-term problem
1: I, I'm so I know I'm way higher on Trey Mann than most boards and whatnot out there. Um, but I, I absolutely love this kid. I, I love what he's shown this year. I think he's a really creative playmaker. I think he's a really smart passer out of isolation, out of pick and rolls, um, you know, on the move, standstill. I think he can make almost any pass out there. I think he also has one of the best step backs in the country. Um, I, I, think his shooting will translate from day one his on-ball defense he's really smart um and i think a lot of his interior finishing struggles and are because of this new 6'5 body that he apparently just sprouted into overnight um so i i think he'll he'll continue to add muscle and that will kind of work itself out and i think a lot of the off off off-ball defense issues are where he just gets completely dislodged by a screen because he's too skinny at the moment to really fight through them. Um when, you know, his guys just spotting up in the corner or on the elbow, he does a pretty good job of reading the defense and making rotations, but when he's put on the move and kind of has to navigate screens and relocate with his guy, that that's where he struggles. So I'm hoping that you know with added strength that will kind of work iron itself out, and more experience, he'll get more comfortable doing that kind of stuff. But that that that's absolutely the biggest hole in this game right now.
0: Up next at number twelve, Moses Moody from Arkansas, and he seems pretty similar to Corey Kispert in that the NBA level fit is very obvious. He's a prototypical three and D wing. Doesn't have quite the athleticism or secondary playmaking ability that you might want from that position, but he can do pretty much everything that you would expect and hope for out of a rotation level three and D type of wing.
1: He's just one of these wings where just the game seems to come naturally to him. Um, nothing seems forced. Nothing seems awkward for him out there. He's a good shooter. He's a smart defender. Um, he he switches. He He knows where to be. But his ball handling is pretty sloppy, so I, I worry about how high of an offensive role he can take on at the next level. If he can, you know, really do anything off the bounce, because you know, standstill shooters only make it so far. So he's going to have to improve his ability to attack closeouts or, you know, put it on the floor for you know two or three bounces and pull up over a guy. So those are fixable skills those aren't you know oh well you're 6'2 you're never gonna grow that's a major red flag it's but it is something that he's absolutely gonna have to work on but i i think he'll he'll be able to figure some of that out because just the way he navigates the floor the way he reads it the way he he just looks comfortable out there so you can you just kind of tell that basketball comes second nature to him and at worst he'll be a good standstill shooter and a good defender
0: up next scotty barnes out of florida state and he's just a weird prospect yeah super weird like he has a bunch of skills that don't make sense in the same package and if that package works out then 13th is going to be way too low for him but if that package doesn't work out then he might just be one of those guys who kind of floats around for a while and everyone expects to have a breakout season at some point that just never comes
1: yeah and he he just has like this weird body too i mean his arms seem to go on forever he has super high hips um and he can kind of defend almost any position on the floor and if he As a point-of-attack defender, I love him. Um, As an off-ball defender, I have some serious concerns. I'm not sure if it's more so their system, but he does a lot of just random roaming off-ball and kind of sporadic switches that he never really communicates, which, you know, it it results in some of those free-safety-type steals that he just immediately takes the opposite direction, but it also results in the opposition gained some easy shots so i'm not sure kind of how to weight that between him just zoning out and going hunting versus his coaches being like hey go play this free safety role and just roll back there um but he he's he's another really creative passer uh he constantly works his butt off incredible motor um but needs to tighten up that off ball defense and I I have no idea what to do with the shot because some games it looks comfortable and he's knocking them down and the next it looks like his form almost completely changed overnight
0: and now rounding out your lottery Davion Mitchell from Baylor he's another guy who's had a real breakout season this year My question is just whether he has the athleticism to be a starting point guard, because I think he's probably going to be more of a backup type.
1: So I I would love to play him alongside kind of a larger primary initiator. Um, So like in a system um, like Denver or Dallas, where they kind of have or or, or even like Chicago because of his defense. So I he he's a really smart passer. He's an accurate passer, but he doesn't have that you know playmaking level that the guys above him like Sharif Cooper, Trey Mann, or Cade or Suggs have. Um, And his athleticism, he's great laterally. It's just the explosiveness and his size that kind of limit him on that end. But I think that his lateral athleticism, the way he moves his feet, the way he anticipates. Uh, the ball handlers moves almost before they know what they're going to do. Um, I, I think will be more than enough to, if not keep him in a starting lineup, keep him as one of the first guys off the bench.
0: All right. So we are now out of the lottery. So let's go lightning round through the rest of the first round. And then we will touch quickly on 31 through 45, but starting out, Outside of the lottery at pick number 15, you have Jaden Springer shooting guard out of Tennessee.
1: The issue that I have with Jaden Springer is just kind of been his consistency. I've I've seen some people have him top 10. I've seen others have him outside the first round. Um, I I, I think he's, I worry about his outside shot just because the consistency hasn't been there. And he tends to force things whether it's his passes or shots when things aren't necessarily going his way instead of letting the game come to him he tries to force it and take over on his own but when things are going well and he looks awesome and he's a really competitive on ball defender his interior passing once he gets in the lane is really crafty he's great at those wraparound passes or dump offs to the dunker spot um his jumper is really effective in the mid-range, and he just has this really physical interior driving game that we don't really see from really many young guards. So I, I think it he brings something different to this guard class. Um, whether it will translate uh, at a consistent level, I, I'm hesitant on.
0: Up next, someone who has been in the news today, number 16, Jalen Johnson out of Duke, who said today that he will not be playing the rest of the season for Duke. I don't want to get too much into that particular aspect of it, other than that I think it's ridiculous that people are criticizing Jalen Johnson for trying to make sure that he stays healthy, especially this season of all seasons. But in terms of his actual play on the basketball court, he has... A lot of skills as a rebounder shot blocker grab and go type of player but he cannot shoot at all and that's a bit of a problem
1: yeah and just to touch on his decision quickly and people need to stop telling everyone else how to spend their money he's his own person he can make his own decisions and he's he's one of the most frustrating prospects in this draft because when things are going his way he looks like a top five pick and then the next night he looks non-existent and you barely even recognize that he's out there. Um really really good rebounder, really good shot blocker, a uh, great vertical athlete, really really promising initiator in the open floor, but that that consistency his shooting, um his kind of acceleration, I all kind of hate I and mean, he kind of turns the ball over a lot and I just I Cannot get the image of him failing to break down Kofi Coburn um, from the perimeter out of my mind. He he should have torched Coburn that game against Illinois, and Johnson just he didn't have even a single counter move dri- counter dribble move to to beat a much slower Coburn off the dribble. So I, I when he's in the open floor, I get the initiator and you know ball handler image and upside that people have of him, but once it gets into the half court, it seems to completely
0: disappear. Speaking of disappointing prospects, up next at number 17, Greg Brown out of Texas. And he was sort of the highlight player coming into this year for Texas, who I think in both of our minds has since been very much superseded by Kai Jones. But really with Brown, it's just, can he play in control at all? Can he not foul constantly? But the athleticism is absolutely there. The rebounding, the energy, the shot blocking. It's really just making sure that he doesn't foul out of every game in the first five minutes.
1: Yeah, it, it's a lot of Derek Jones Jr., freak athlete, great rebounder. just And he he's bringing it every minute he's on the floor. Um, always out of control. I don't trust his shot from outside at all. And I believe he may have fixed this in the last couple days. Um, But I believe that he has more turnovers on the season than assists, which is not what you want.
0: Yeah, that's usually not a good sign. Anyway, we took a quick break with Greg Brown, but we are back to the Johnsons, starting with David Johnson at number 18 out of Louisville.
1: I think... I think his natural role is going to be as a point guard. I think he's playing out of position at Louisville this year um, because Carly Jones came in, who's a nice player in his own right. Um, but I, I think Johnson's a physical point guard, a uh, really good playmaker, really comfortable out of the pick and roll, and his shot seems to have looks to have progressed tremendously over the last year. Um, consistency's still not there, but you can tell that he and his team have confidence in it, which is really promising. Not not a great vertical athlete, um, and just kind of needs to improve his shooting consistency and shot selection.
0: Up next, another Johnson, Keon Johnson, out of Tennessee, teammate of Jaden Springer. And it is funny to try and watch them try and play two pretty clear shooting guards together. <laughs>
1: yeah, and Keon's just a freak athlete. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go check out his dunk the other day from an inbounds pass. I think it was an inbounds pass, uh, but I un un unaided, he's his eyes are at the rim, so really impressive athlete. Uh he's really creative off the dribble, great body control when he's finishing around the rim. Uh really competitive on ball defender. Um, you know, can go back to the athleticism for that. Uh but I, I just don't I don't trust his shot. His shot has been really bad this year and his playmaking um is not what I wanted from a guy who's as creative and dynamic off the dribble as he is
0: up next joss christopher out of arizona state and he's got solid scoring and defensive upside but he might be the only player in college basketball who passes less than greg brown
1: it's really concerning because if he gets the ball you know i think it's about a 90 percent chance that he's gonna shoot it and there isn't a shot out there that he doesn't like um i i know people's mindset on shot selection varies where some people are see it as a pro it's like this guy's happy to take this shot he's eventually he's going to knock it down he's a tough shot maker i view it more as this guy's kind of undisciplined with his decision making and that's a bad habit that is going to translate poorly to the nba but he's you know great athlete uh really versatile scorer if his outside shot improves on his consistency and he tones down the bad contested shots that he takes every game um i i, I think he could be w- one of those mid first round steals
0: up next at number 21 miles mcbride and hey look it's another defense first point guard out of west virginia
1: yeah who, who would have thought it's almost like they have a type um that i the, this is one of these kids that just plays super hard on both ends of the floor and as you can just tell that he's a natural leader out there a uh, really good scorer. Um, as the season has gone on, his outside jumper has gotten even better. Uh, he might be the best guard defender in the country. He's just a really good athlete. Hounds people the entire length of the court, and his playmaking isn't quite where you want from. You know, maybe a starting point guard, but he's he's a smart passer. He doesn't really turn the ball over a ton, um, and he needs to kind of improve his. Ability to shoot from outside off the dribble, but the improvements that he's made as the years progressed with his jumper, uh, paired with his incredible defense, I I I think is more than worthy of a first round pick
0: up next cam Thomas out of LSU, someone else. Who's also taken a giant leap up draft boards this year. He's a really explosive scorer and seems like a prototypical kind of six man archetype, but Again, with that kind of six man archetype, also sort of comes the inevitable defensive concerns.
1: And he he might be one of the most dynamic scorers in the country. Um, just he he he's one of these guys that has that innate ability to square his shoulders midair, so and t- turn around jumpers, step backs, shooting off a screen—all of that is supernatural for him. A really impressive ball handler. Um, you, you can tell that this kid was just a Born score everything else so worries me um his sh- his shot selection is up there with Christopher's uh his defense is might be worse than Sharif Cooper's um and his outside shooting isn't where you would want it for someone who shoots with the volume that he has so I get the scoring potential and the love of it I just have a lot of worries over you know how every time he touches the ball it seems to end up in a shot regardless of what the defense is doing
0: up next at 23 jared butler out of baylor and really the issue with him is just going to be athleticism explosiveness and because of that being able to finish around the basket
1: yeah and and he's just one of these smart well-rounded point guards uh really good shooter from outside really good ball handler really smart defender just his size and athleticism are going to limit him defensively and he's, and he's not going to be a rebounder, but I, I, I think his well-roundedness um, as a playmaker and shooter, um, as a guy, as a lead guard coming off the bench, I, you know, I, I think he would fit that role perfectly.
0: Up next, Franz Wagner out of Michigan. And he is a very different player from his brother, which certainly surprised me. The, few times I've seen his tape at Michigan especially this season he's really a very different player his brother is a pretty much pure center Franz is a forward maybe even trending towards the wing which is really interesting
1: yeah and the the jump that he's made this season compared to his freshman season has been drastic um and a lot of that is because he really improved his body over the offseason he could put on a bunch of muscle and it's paid dividends and he he has a really really good feel for the game. This year he's one of the leaders on that Michigan team. Uh he can score inside or outside. Just sees the floor really well. The game comes naturally to him. He's made made a huge jump defensively and has done a much better job of keeping guys in front of him. Uh still a little sloppy with the ball and he's not a, really an explosive athlete. Um his outside shot still hasn't come along the mechanics look solid his mid-range jumper looks solid so hopefully that outside jumper will will eventually get there but until that happens i i've i'm a little concerned about it but if, if that outside jumper becomes more consistent and he's in the that mid 30 percent range uh combine that with his basketball iq and feel for the game and competitiveness um this is someone's going to get a a really, really talented uh, wing late in the first.
0: Now we get to a really sad and unfortunate part of the podcast where we have to discuss Brandon Boston Jr. out of Kentucky, who was a pretty clear top five player in this class heading into college. And not to be cruel, but I'm not sure you've pushed him down your board far enough at 25.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I, I... I, a couple of weeks ago, I put out a poll on Twitter of like, if you never, if you knew nothing about Brandon Boston Jr. entering the season, where would you have him? And, you know, some people still said lottery, which is absurd, but I'm not sure I would have him ranked, honestly, because it's been, it's been that bad, but he was, you know, he, he may have been two or three on my board entering the season and he just looks like a completely different player this year um it it sucks because he was a lot of fun in high school so i'm clinging to that hope that he that that player is still in there somewhere um and that he can kind of regain some of that confidence and shooting ability that he had in high school because he was an incredible scorer and just a really fun player to watch um you know a great length really good ball handler um, but and the shot selection this year has been bad his defense has been bad his shooting mechanics look different he has this he changed his base where his feet are super wide so i'm hoping some of this is correctable but you know my my ranking of 25 on him right now is based purely on hope and what we saw in high school and he has Because if it was only his time at Kentucky, I'm not sure he would be in my top 50.
0: I will say, I think if we get to pick 31 on draft night and his name hasn't been called, if I were the team with the 31st pick, I would take him right away just as a flyer. 100%. Because if he is that player that he was in high school, then that's the steal of the draft right there. And if he wasn't, you know, it's different wasting a second round pick as opposed to wasting a first round pick.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree.
0: Up next at number 26, Terrence Shannon Jr. out of Texas Tech, who's really a serious athlete. But as with a lot of players that we're talking about in this sort of area of the draft, the problem is just going to be can he shoot.
1: Yeah, and and that's just that's going to be the swing skill, and it is every year with so many of these wings. Um, but you know, the more I watch him, the more I get encouraged buy it and he looks more confident this year than he did last year. Last year he just stopped taking them outside shots altogether. This year, you know, we we've seen some meaningful improvement in his shooting results. And so I really I think worst case scenario you're getting a freak athlete and an excellent on ball defender and rebounder um who can't shoot. Uh if the shot pans out, I I think a team's gonna get a really nice Two-way rotation wing.
0: Up next at number twenty-seven, Duke out of Providence. uh Great defender. I worry. I
1: I don't know what to do with the shot because it it looks awkward, but the results are there. So and his percentages on a pretty high volume are really good, but it's kind of slow. So it may not directly translate to the NBA, um, but. Great defender, really fast player, uh, not great with his vertical explosiveness, um, and that kind of limits his ability to create his own shot, but kind of out of the pick and roll um, or off ball or in transition, he can score pretty easily. So that kind of combined with his defense, I I think that he could be part of one of these kind of interesting hybrid two-guard lineups.
0: Up next at 28, Deron Sharp out of North Carolina center who can rebound and has a good motor and has good passing touch for that position. But given that he's a six-nine center, he's either going to need to shoot or get a lot better in being able to switch out onto smaller players
1: yeah and so i i don't know i always struggle with big men and every year whenever i look at my board i'm like okay so i have a couple centers right in the top five and now we're down by 40 and there's no one it's like okay well i got uh, you know and i i think sharp has the potential to be one of these guys that goes late in the first and is a solid rotation guy purely and his motor is really impressive for someone his size and he works his butt off and he's he's a really impressive passer. So I think that alone kind of gets him you know t- 10 to 15 minutes a game. Um if he develops any sort of a shot um that that takes him, you know, up to the next level where he's coming off the bench a little earlier. I don't think that he's going to be a starter at any point really, but I I definitely think that he has the rota- chops to be a rotation big man who comes in and provides a tremendous amount of energy and rebounding.
0: Up next, Eve Pons out of Tennessee. Probably the most fun defensive player to watch in this class. Oh, incredible. It's just so much fun to watch his block highlight reels. And, you know, it's not just blocks either. He's got great recovery skills. He's been really solid pretty much across the board on the defensive end. The question is just gonna be what's he gonna do on offense other than throw down lobs yeah
1: i I think he's probably the best overall defender in the country right now um incredibly explosive. there was a stat, I think we were like ten or like ten games into the season, and he had only allowed seven points being scored on him all year, uh which is just an absurd number on offense. I I think his his jumpers kind of coming around. It looks super ugly, but he will take a couple threes a game. Uh, he's athletic enough where he's, you know, willing to drive on guys. Um, it's never gonna be a you know a main part of an offense. But I think on the occasional drive, and you kick it out to him he'll be able to knock down open threes. So I don't think he's going to be a major liability, but the his main offensive impact is going to come on lobs and offensive rebounds.
0: And finally, closing out the first round at number 30, Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky. And he's sort of similar to Zaire Williams in that he's got a lot of great tools, but he weighs about four pounds, and that's a bit of a problem.
1: Yeah, he's he's really really skinny, and all all the boards and stuff that I've been seeing have him way higher than Eve Eve Pons, which I, which I don't understand because they kind of do the same thing, but Pons is much stronger. Uh, I I think Pons is more explosive, and Pons has demonstrated a much better shot. So with that said, Jackson is maybe the best shot blocker if he's not the best maybe the second best shot blocker in the country great length um really good rebounder he i i just don't think he can do much of anything on offense right now
0: And that is the end of the first round board. That's the top 30. So let's just quickly run through 31 through 45. And at 31, you have Daishin Nix from the G League Knight. I mentioned earlier that we would get to him. Yeah, he seemed like he'd be a pretty clear first round lock coming into this. And then he showed up with some troubling weight issues without having fixed his shooting at all.
1: So the G League website has him listed at six five two That is a big boy. Um, with that said... Did they forget the zero <laughs> on the end of the four? <laughs> oh, God, cold. Um, with that said, he's, he's really strong, and he absolutely uses his weight to his advantage on his drives. I and mean, he is completely unaffected by contact in the lane. Um, he gets to the rim pretty easily. And he's been a really, really impressive passer. Um, I I have some concerns about the weight, but I mean the the way he kind of moves on the floor, it you know it it doesn't seem unnatural. But my bigger concerns come with his shot, which hasn't been there necessarily. There have been flashes of it being better, but I I, I need a bigger sample size to really buy into it and just his defensive consistency he he gambles a lot which puts his team in bad spots so if, if he can tighten that up alone i i think it'd really help his standing
0: up next at number 32 ochai Agbaji out of kansas and i feel like i've seen him everywhere from like 10 to like 60 on your big boards over the past two years oh my
1: god i've loved this kid for three years just begging for him to come out um And yeah, he's just kind of, he's just a good player now. And he's one of these athletic defensive first wings where we always say, it's like, well, if he can figure a shot out, if he can learn to do anything with the ball. And Abaji has kind of done that. I mean, he's not going to be an excellent three-point shooter, but he's taken on a much more prominent initiator role at Kansas because they just don't have a point guard this year. And he's been a really good shooter for him. So That combined with his kind of energy, his work rate, his defense, um, I I think that he's kind of going to be a no brainer, you know, maybe 10 minute a night rotation wing in the NBA.
0: Up next, Isaiah Livers out of Michigan.
1: Kind of fits that similar mold as Abaji, just a little less athletic and more reliable offensively. And he can guard numerous positions especially anything on the wing uh really good off-ball shooter really smart player um i i think his athleticism will let him down as a on-ball creator at the next level um smart passer not gonna pass anyone open or make you know put up big assist numbers but as an off-ball shooter and an energy defender i i Absolutely, think he belongs in an NBA rotation.
0: Up next at thirty-four, similar to Agbachi, someone who's been on these boards of yours for a while, move out of Illinois.
1: So I, I think I'm kind of lower on him than most people I've seen. At least you know on Draft Twitter, um, he he's really frustrating. He's a great leader, really good de- defender, uh awesome, absolutely awesome in the open floor. Maybe one of the best transition guards in this draft i i just don't trust his shot i know the percentages are much better than they have been in recent years i just struggle to buy into it at an nba level i don't think he's going to be able to create his own shot so i just kind of see him as this d- defensive first guard off the bench and it's, it's kind of a bummer because he's one if I I hope his shot does come around and really is more consistent because if it is, then I I think he has all the tools to be, um, you know, one one of the top two point guards in a rotation.
0: Up next at number 35, Marcus Bagley out of Arizona state. And I fired off an entirely unwarranted shot at his brother earlier, but Marcus has an incredibly different game. He's really a shooting off the catch kind of player, a lot more of a wing, whereas Marvin is some sort of big man type. But Marvin went number two overall. Marcus is not quite that level of player, but I think that Marcus is actually going to end up having a really solid NBA career, just as like a fifteen to twenty minute a game wing off the bench.
1: My biggest concern is what he does when he gets the ball, because I, I think he's an excellent standstill shooter. Um, I think he's he's a promising defender. Good rebounder. I just don't think he can do anything with the ball in his hands. I don't. I worry about his passing, his ability to shoot on the move or off the dribble. Um, And I don't think he's a very good ball handler. You know, some of those things you can correct. Some of those kind of just come naturally to players. So those are my biggest concerns. If he gets put in an offense where he's just kind of told to float on the perimeter or stand in the corner and just hit open shots when they come to him, I, I think he'll, he'll be able to make an impact. But if teams are expecting him to kind of create anything or run off screens or anything like that, then I, I really worry about how long he'll be able to stick.
0: Up next, Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova. And he's really just sort of a Place filler in the sense that he has a lot of different complementary skills, but doesn't really have the athleticism to be a sort of primary option as a hybrid big man type,
1: yeah, after his really hot start of the season, uh he's just kind of fallen off for me um he just does a lot of things really well and nothing at an elite level um just not very explosive, kind of slow, but really smart you. Incredible feel for the game, and just not as consistent a shooter as I would like either. With his lack of athleticism, I'd like to see more of a consistent outside shot. And he's just kind of gotten really passive on offense, whereas the beginning of the season he was kind of taking over games. um So i I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that stick, bounces around rotations for quite some time, um, but never really h- hits. The high end of one
0: up next josh giddy playing for adelaide in the nbl and he's someone who's an exceptional passer with size which is a very rare and very important skill in the nba but that size kind of really only helps him on the offensive end because on defense he's very skinny and not the best athlete which is not a good combination for wing defense
1: he's yeah he's he's one of these guys that seems to have grown really quickly because he's just really lanky um he has to Mm -hmm. add some muscle but you know if if a team's willing to invest in him which at this point why why wouldn't you um he's kind of fascinating as that lead ball handler just really creative ambidextrous passer uh live dribble off either hand um I, I think that will translate pretty immediately, whether or not he's able to handle NBA physicality or really develop a kind of a consistent outside jumper. I I, I think that'll kind of be the, the, the swing
0: on him. I don't know if this is the most depressing or the second most depressing part of the podcast, but one of our old favorites, Scotty Lewis, uh, love him. who has been on this board for a while and we've both been a huge fan of his for a while but unfortunately he's just continued to slide down draft boards as he continues to not be able to shoot but i still love him
1: he's he's a fan favorite of me at least
0: um just i (laughs) fan favorite of the nba deep Dives podcast
1: i just so much fun to watch on defense just a freak athlete i just watching him Leap is one of the most enjoyable things in watching a Florida game. Um, however, whenever he shoots, I never really think it's going in, which is a
0: problem. Um, it's even worse for me. I look at it and I'm just like, I pray that it goes in because I don't want it to look the way it does. And it's like I'm just going to pretend that it's it's going in. It's going in. We're good here. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and there, at least last year, you know, and there, I, I thought he was being used really poorly and but it, it just it just hasn't translated for him I, I, I think he has the ability to you know maybe be a, a Hamadou Diallo type where he's a super athletic guy and you know eventually different skills kind of come along but how I, dare I, you I, Scotty
0: I, Lewis is way too smart to <laughs> go tend a half court shot way too smart to go tend a half court shot
1: yeah but he's athletic enough to do it so. that's true
0: I'll give him that <laughs>
1: So as far as he's going, he will be a great athlete. He will be a good defender. Whether or not he can develop anything else uh, is,
0: you know, we'll see. Well, we're clearly pulling for him. So (laughs) that's something at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely, Every day. Up next at 39, Usman Garuba out of Spain. And he's kind of similar to Scotty Lewis, just in the sense that they're both incredibly hard workers with really great defensive upside who just don't have the offensive game that they need at this point, honestly. Yeah,
1: that that's kind of the best way to put it. I'm great, great motor, great athlete, great defensive instincts um, and rebounder. I don't trust his shot at all. And he just looks, every time he touches the ball or tries to dribble, it looks uncomfortable and unnatural. So I I know he can do some stuff in the open floor in transition, but anytime he tries to really create anything, um, it looks like he's going to turn the ball over almost immediately.
0: Up next at 40, Joel Ayi, and he's actually taken a lot of primary defensive assignments for Gonzaga this season, which is a little bit surprising, but he's done solidly as sort of that primary guard defender type, and he's got a really versatile game outside of that. Really, the question is just, can his shot stay consistent? And like a number of players that we've discussed, can he get strong enough to defend at the NBA level?
1: So I I is you know the guy who's supposed to be the starting point guard on this Gonzaga team, and he's kind of taken a backseat role to Suggs and Nemhard. And instead of being that lead ball handler, he's taken on this role of a guy who's just kind of out there doing a little bit of everything. Um, his, his basketball IQ is through the charts. Uh, his ability to play as an off-ball guard is really impressive. He's a great cutter runs off screens really well uh kind of like a sneaky smart rebounder um he's just pretty slender and that outside shot just needs to kind of improve but that overall skill set of a guy who's just out there doing all the little things that contribute to winning um he he absolutely fills that role so I, i don't think the upside for him is you know really there but from day one, he'll bring a sense of maturity and intelligence that a lot of rookies don't.
0: Up next, Bones Highland out of VCU, and he's just an elite microwave scorer, gets hot really quickly, can pour in points from anywhere. The questions are pretty much everything else, but the scoring is there. It,
1: he's he's a lot of fun as a scorer. Um, it'd be great if he weighed more than 165 pounds. He's he's called bones for a reason. I know every announcer's made that joke, so I apologize. Um, but the the scoring ability almost all, all at all three levels is there. He the defense struggles, the strength obviously struggles, and I'm I worry about how he'll be able to handle NBA physicality because I I, I really think that that will hinder his ability to finish um around the rim.
0: up next at 42 Raucus jacobitis out of zalgiris and he is someone who i think could be a really effective secondary playmaker as well as sort of a primary creator but i'm not sure he's really a pure point guard type but i think he could be really helpful as a rotation guard that sort of fills in whatever his particular team needs in terms of secondary creating, shooting, those sorts of things.
1: So he isn't a very good athlete, and he makes up for that with his just overall creativity. Um, as a ball handler, as a scorer, as a passer, just really comfortable operating out of the pick and roll. Um, it's just really crafty at getting to the rim or making those live dribble kick-out passes. And his shooting is pretty reliable at this point so i i I like him as a rotation guard i i would be kind of surprised if he ever gets to that full-on starter role um but as a guy coming in who can handle the offense who can play off ball and who can kind of add just like a spark of creativity along with you know pretty good decision making um I, i absolutely think he can do that
0: Up next, Sandro Mamakalashvili of Seton Hall, and he's a big man that can't really defend, which is a bit of a problem, but he's good enough off the dribble that he could sort of play a wing-ish role on offense. I just don't know who he defends at the next level at all.
1: It'll, It'll be fascinating because when, when you watch him grab a rebound and initiate in transition or you know and he's essentially seton hall's primary initiator and when you watch him move you're you think he's this six seven wing and then you look up his height and realize that he's almost seven feet tall so just his ball handling his comfort level with the ball his shooting his passing it it's all really really impressive but the the defense just isn't there either on the perimeter or interior um he's not a great athlete so he's not going to be a really you know impactful rim protector um he kind of zones out off ball doesn't have the the defensive discipline to switch on guys on the perimeter so i i think defensively it might you know it might be a disaster but i think the offensive skills and potential are fascinating and something I'd be really intrigued with in the second
0: round. Up next at number forty four, John Petty Jr. out of Alabama.
1: Just w absolute flamethrower from outside. Um when when he gets hot, he'll knock down six, seven, eight threes in a game. And it's a lot of fun. Uh unfortunately the consistency isn't always there, so I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't think he'll be that consistent outside threat um, that you'd find in a starting lineup, but off the bench as a, a solid on-ball defender and just an absolute flamethrower on the right night, um, I, I think he could be a really interesting ro- rotation shooting guard.
0: And finally, closing out the top 45 with Jalen Wilson out of Kansas, and he's had a really solid season so far for Kansas, but I'm just worried that the shot might be a little too slow.
1: That That's where I'm at as well. Um, he, he had a really hot start to the season, and then he's kind of come back to earth uh, these last couple weeks. Um, I I think he's, as an off-ball shooter, I don't really have any concerns. I, I like his defensive versatility, his ability to get to the rim, but his ability to kind of pass out of the drive, um, his ability to kind of create his own shot and pull up off the dribble without really being heavily contested i'm not sure it's there so you know maybe he goes back to kansas and kind of takes over that that role that abaji will likely vacate um or maybe he you know spends a couple years refining that at the end of a nba bench but i i think eventually Wilson has the skills, has the foundation where he can absolutely make an impact in an NBA rotation.
0: And that is the top 45 for Tyler's big board. So there are a few more players outside of that top 45 that I want to discuss quickly before we wrap up here. And the first of those is Iowa's Luca Garza, who you have at 55. And Honestly, I don't think there's a better sign of how quickly the NBA has evolved from the fact that Jaleel Okavor was the number three overall pick in his draft <laughs> to the fact that you have Luka Garza barely scraping in under the second round barrier.
1: I mean, he can't defend at all. I mean, he, he's one of these as a college player. He is absolutely incredible. But the NBA, it's a different sport. Um what Garza gets away with with just throwing his body around and being just so much bigger and stronger than everyone else he's playing against. It just doesn't fly in the NBA. There are bigger and stronger guys there. So I I I wouldn't be surprised if he's a ten to fifteen minute a guy a night guy where he's, you know, averaging six points and or eight points and six rebounds off the bench. But his utter lack of defense I think is really going to keep him from making a major impact in the NBA. And, you know, he, he could very easily go overseas and have an incredible career. He could be, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, you know, the third center in a rotation um, for the next 10 years in the NBA either. So the the interior touch, his motor's incredible, really good rebounder, really strong. Those will all translate. It's just his lack of athleticism and just the fact that he just can't play any defense um, is really going to hurt him.
0: Speaking of can't play any defense, the <laughs> next player that I wanted to discuss is Matthew Hurt out of Duke. And you have him at 57 and I honestly think that he's going to end up going a lot higher than that just because he's six foot nine and has a really quick shot with a really high release. And even though he can't really do all that much else, I think that's enough to go early in the second round.
1: He probably will. And, you know, that that Duke label will help him a lot, too. I just I don't see a whole lot of upside to him. Um, I, I think he's, you know, the, he he's a good shooter. He's taken on a bigger role at duke this year and has had a nice year um i just don't see how it really translates to the next level he'll absolutely be a liability on defense um he can't really do much off off the the bounce i mean he can attack closeouts with one or two dribbles and his post-up game is solid um with that turnaround against smaller defenders but I don't think he's going to have those mismatches as consistently in the NBA. So it wouldn't surprise me if he goes much earlier than where I have him ranked. I just don't, I I just would be surprised if, you know, five years from now, we're hearing about him signing his second contract and making a a contribution in a rotation.
0: And the last player that I wanted to touch on just briefly, Ron Harper Jr. out of Rutgers, Mm -hmm i aged about 10 years when kenyon martin jr was drafted (laughs) last year and ron harper jr isn't quite the same level of that just because you know ron harper is a bit of an older player Mm -hmm. but i do want to see ron harper jr make it to the nba just because i don't know i think that father-son nba thing is kind of cool for the most part but (laughs) yeah it is it is just wild to see the junior next to the name of oh that's an nba player that i used to watch okay then (laughs) Yeah, it it's really
1: disheartening. Um and just makes me avoid mirrors for a couple of days. But I Harper's he's an excellent shooter. Really really like his off-ball shooting, uh smart passer, good rebounder. I would like to see him go back to Rutgers for another year probably and get in better shape and show more ability with his defense and show a little more um kind of on-ball creation ability. Because I I think the shooting's there, and I think that will translate. But whether or not he can, you know, show a little more athleticism, get in a little better shape, and make more of a consistent impact, um, I I think that would do him wonders to really kind of secure his draft stock. After another year.
0: All right. Anything else you want to talk about here before we wrap up? I think we kind of covered
1: it all. The The draft guide top 45 should be coming out in the next week or so as Joey puts together his beautiful artwork and makes it look look pretty. Um, I'll have some Timberwolves stuff coming out on Canis Hoopus throughout the week. Uh, peace on Jalen Noel and his awesome start to the season, uh, despite the Timberwolves sucking. But yeah, that's kind of it.
0: There you go. You did all my plots for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, he is Tyler Metcalf. You can find his work, as he said, on hashtag basketball and Canis <clears throat> as well as on Twitter at T-E-M-E-T-C-A-L-F. You can also find my work on the hashtag basketball website. Tyler is another one of the power rankers for the Hashtag Basketball NBA Power Rankings, so be sure to check that out. You can also find my work on Twitter, NBAJOHNSON. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please take the time to leave a rating and or a review in whatever podcast player you might be using. We really appreciate it. And as always, thanks so much for listening.